Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Trinity Orange County High School Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Albano of OC Varsity in the Orange County Register, and I'm joined with my par- by my partner, Scotty Barajas, as we dive deep into Trinity and Orange County High School Football. We're recording our show on Monday, September 19th, 2022. Scotty, we're coming off a lot of interesting games, including the, the Trinity versus USA showcase that went down over the weekend. An amazing uh, shootout between Santa Margarita and Los Alamitos. A really good Orange County game. Edison, San Clemente was another very highly entertaining week. Big bounce back for Jay Sarah. Lots to discuss on this show. How you doing, Scotty, as we uh, take all this in? And a lot of teams are on the bye this week. And then we get, you know, we're ramping up for our Trinity League uh, football preview. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Dan. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of a a, a slow week for us. All right, well, depending if who you're following, but yeah, pretty much most of the uh, top ten you know teams are 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 kind of sitting this out, taking the bye week, uh, getting ready for uh, for uh, league play. Um, but uh, it, it, you know, there's still some games out there that that we'll be watching. So yes, only two of the Trinity League teams are in action this week. And we'll be talking about one of those games as a game to watch. Servite taking, going down to San Diego to take on Helix, one of the top teams in San Diego. And then uh, St. John Bosco is also at home on Friday, uh, once again taking on uh, Cathedral uh, Central Catholic, excuse me, from Modesto in the Central Valley. But there was a lot of great action over the uh, weekend that we need to recap and try to give our insights about and um, analyze some of this stuff. So want to welcome everybody back to the show. Thank you for your support. Um, be sure to look for our show anywhere you um, you get your podcast from Apple uh, Podcasts to Spotify. And uh, please rate, review, share our show with your friends, your, your hardcore football fans. Um, that's who Scotty and I are working for here um, as we uh, love to talk some uh, OC and Trinity League football with you guys. So thanks for coming along the ride. Scotty, want to talk about the game I took in on Thursday. I know you've, uh, you took, you watched, uh, and paid attention to it as well, but how about, um, Los Alamitos 69, Santa Margarita 49. That's a football score, not a basketball score. One of the higher scoring games that I've seen in recent memory. It was an offensive explosion, you know, right from the beginning because it was a, it was a blown coverage by Los Alamitos on the very first play, and Jackson Potter threw a 70-yard touchdown, and that set the tone. And there were some prolific offensive uh, performances, but there was no stopping, really, the Los Alamitos offense. The way they, one of the new things they unveiled, really, in that game, I think it caught, and it was a big part of the strategy of the game, is they played at a quicker pace, the, the, as far as the offense, as far as the no huddle and how quickly they were running plays. They hadn't shown that play, that kind of pace. And I talked to Los Alamitos afterwards, and that was a big part of their strategy because they feel like uh, Santa Margarita makes a lot of um, adjustments um, and hides and disguises some of their coverage. And they wanted to take some of those adjustments and um, some of the strategy that and the looks that uh, Santa Margarita likes to, to do to offenses they wanted to take that away, and that's what they, they felt. Hey, we're going to go after you. We're going to play faster than we have all year. 
And they also hit him with, you know, the, the dual attack with the, the great running game um, over 300 yards by Damian Henderson, who looks as one of the best backs um, in Southern California right now. Senior committed to uh, Colorado State. Um, I know we were talking off air, Scotty, about where, you know, how, how impressed we are with Damian. I was very impressed with Damian Henderson. You wonder if he's going to, you know, rise beyond Colorado State or something with his offers. Um, and then, of course, uh, Makai Lemon looked spectacular, returning a kickoff for a touchdown over, you know, I think it was 96 yards, caught a touchdown pass on a short slant and just ran through the defense. And, you know, um, Malachi Nelson was just precision work. But he he's a team player, and he just works with that low-sell offense. They were balanced. You know, obviously Damian was running it so well. But uh, Malachi was just very accurate and took what the defense gave. And then on the on the on the uh the flip side I was very impressed with with um Jackson Potter threw for 480 yards, uh five touchdowns the Santa Margarita quarterback. He looks very much improved. Now on the season, they've actually played four games on the field, but he has 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, and Jackson Potter um really has taken that next step and he's impressed me. And then um, I was very impressed with Emmett Mosley, but not surprised um, how well he played. Um, he was one of three Eagle receivers um, that had over 100 yards receiving, but he had some spectacular plays, including a, a very long touchdown where he just threw off three defenders. This is the Emmett Mosley. I think if, if people have been listening to the Trinity League football podcast the last couple of years, um, especially last year where he was injured mu- much of the year, but when he did make some brief appearances, we were always kind of talking about, hey, what's Emmett Mosley's status over at Servite? This is because of these kind of plays that we saw this kind of potential. And he's showing it this year, and he had another another great game. But um, Santa Margarita just couldn't make enough stops uh, for sure. And and Losau was um, – another part of the element was that they were with Damian Henderson in their ground attack. They were – they out-physicaled um, Santa Margarita – so it was they ran right at him at Santa Margarita and they didn't have they didn't have the D-line the linebackers enough though Jacob Bauer did play well I think he had 17 tackles but they're just they couldn't handle the the physicalness that Losal wanted to to play with with Damian Henderson and that ground attack and and Santa Margarita couldn't stop it enough he, that's why he ran for 300 yards but those are a couple of my observations I think that are you know very interesting uh that strike me about Los Al, they're three and two, uh, headed to their bye week this week. Um, of course, no TA Cunningham once again. Um, hopefully, you guys have been following my coverage on on the ineligible uh, junior defensive tackle um, right now, and he's see I'm still looking at his transfer. But what was your impressions of this game, Scotty? Yeah, I mean, I think the last time I saw a game like this was a. 2015 Centennial Bosco playoff game where it was 62 to 52. It was like all offense and there was no defense seemed to exist. You know, I mean, it made for an exciting game, but it was hard to watch if you were a purist or a fan of defense, you know, but it just showed the talent level, I think, of all the skill players to where it overwhelmed, you know, those defensive matchups on each side. Um, but I think the difference in this one was the fact that the low cell offense was able to wear down Santa Margarita's defense, especially on that defensive line, because you could see low cell had Santa Margarita on the ropes going into halftime. It was 35, 
thirty, and then Losal came just ran down the ball on Santa Margarita that whole second half and breaking off big runs by Damian Henderson. And then I think that fourth quarter, the Eagles were pretty much done. I mean, they eventually outscored them 34-19 in the second half, and it didn't help that Santa Margarita was out without Collins and Chipeapong, who, um, you know, Torres, I guess, his meniscus. And so he was out. He's out for the pretty much, I don't know if he'll even come back for the year. So, and so they lost him, so they didn't have him. They didn't sub, and they didn't rotate its D-line very much. I think the Eagles rotated two guys, one or two guys. I think Tyler Parker and LeVar Talley played almost the entire game. Um, you know, for a while there, though, it looked like Santa Margarita was in, you know, in for the route. You know, as they came out and caught Los Alamos and misalignments and blown coverages, you know, early on. And, um, you know, then there was a lot. There was a lot of going on in this game. I think we probably could talk this entire podcast on it, but yeah. you know, you can just pretty much say that, you know, the star high profile, all the star profile, high profile guys came out uh, in this one. You know, from Nelson Mosley, Potter, Henderson, Lopez, and then even the freshman Manoa Fanapusa, who yes. starting to show what he can do. Not only as a nose guard, but as a short yardage back, who just he just you know he just plowed through the. Um, the line for those touchdowns. And then even the Los Al offensive line, who was said to be an average group going into this season, but yet they've kind of shown to make the holes for Henderson. And, you know, that's what was been missing from the Los Al offense last year. Um, you know, but they'll still need to tighten up, I think, the tackling, because uh, there was a few big plays where Emmett Mosley had some catches. He broke off, broke three tackles for scores on those long gains. I mean, it was a great effort by Mosley, you know, who we said finally showed his big playability. But, you know, he probably could have been tackled by those Los Al defenders. Um, and then Lemon, what do you say? How do you scheme for him? You know, they went man with help. They went zone. But Nelson was able to exploit, you know, Santa Margarita's scheme, as you said. You know, especially this one where Lemon lined up in the slot and Nelson threaded to him down the seam. And he just exploded, you know. You know, there was just—I mean, it was bang bang, and you know that—that's tough. There's no answer for that, really. Yeah. And lastly, I say the special teams. Luckily, in this one, they didn't have to come down to special teams because both special teams uh, struggle a little bit. Uh, they need some tidying up with some missed extra points, coverages. But you know, what do you say? It's tough when you have those big time guys back there, and um, you know, you know, this one probably be—you know—they'll probably replay this one on Wednesday night. Um, being you know as exciting as it was, so if those of you who didn't catch it uh, could try catching it then. Yeah, so it'll be interesting what happens with uh, Santa Margarita. They're you know, you know I think they're they're three and one. I think they picked up you know one of their games is being called a forfeit victory, but that's how they headed head into their bye. Probably not the way they wanted to do um, the injury front, um, especially defensively is going to be problematic um you know going forward because they have a they have you know they have a very promising offense as well i mean to score that many points they have you know jackson is seems so dialed in working so well with his receivers um the emmett moldsley the nico um lopez uh um what uh beyond uh he looked very good too um deep threat um I know he's another player you're high on as well. Who is that? Uh, beyond his last, his first name, be uh, number eighty one. Um, Bain Eisman. Bain Bain Eisman. Excuse me. 
Yeah, Santa Margarita is weird because Santa Margarita, that's what's something you're going to have to figure out going forward because Santa Margarita uh, all of a sudden switched their uh, jersey numbers. So uh, previous in there, in, in, you know, they were wearing different numbers. And Eisenman was, I think, was, was wearing nine. And then he went to 81 for this game. Lopez went to 19. And he was, I think, he was going, he was wearing zero. So a lot of guys had some weird numbers going on. So I don't know if it was just this game or if that's something that's going to be, uh, going forward. So for those who are, you know, trying to roster, you know, trying to print rosters or find, um, just keep that in mind. Yeah. But, you know, with, with Bain, Eisman, you know, and Emmett Mosley, Nico Lopez, Trent Mosley as well. They have a good running back in Foyer who they didn't get going too too well. I know he's had mono. He's probably trying to still kind of find himself, but he has a lot of potential. That Santa Margarita offense is pretty stacked, and you can give some teams some Trinity League in the Trinity League some problems, um, especially you know maybe in that opener against Orange Lutheran. But their defense, Scotty, what? What are you going to do when you you don't have maybe the defensive front um, to contend with you know with some of these uh, offenses? It's tough. It's like you're going to have to outscore everybody. You know, I mean, I don't know what what's going to you know because it's it's going to be interesting to see going like you said going forward when they go into tourney league to play to see what ends up you know you know ends up happening when you can't you know like you know you have three guys that you pretty much go the whole game. I mean, like I said, they rotated two, and that's still tough. So, yeah. All right, Scotty, let's move on. Um, this was a game we talked about last week. Jay Sarah coming off a, you know, a lopsided 41 nothing loss to Centennial. But you, you saw some bright spots in the Lions' performance that day. You spotlighted them on this last week's show. They, you know, and then I, and I also added that, hey, Jay Sarah is also healthy. And for their matchup at home the very next week against Rancho Cucamonga. I thought Jay Sarah could do this, um, even though you know Rancho Cucamonga is a very good team. They were three and one, got a pretty nice ranking um, on the uh, Cal Preps um, power ratings. But Jay Sarah did pull it off, thirty four eighteen, beat Rancho Cucamonga second year in a row after losing to Centennial, and there they are, uh, Eagle, uh, the Lions. Excuse me, uh, finish the preseason. Three and two. It could have easily been four and one because this is a team they were up twenty-one nothing on the road in week. Two. What would I think it would have been week one um, in their second game against Chaminade, and they couldn't hold on. Lost on a last-second field goal. But Scotty, you got any insight for us on um, Jay Sarah Rancho Cucamonga? Yeah, remember when I told you last week? So whoever gets to twenty-one or twenty-eight yes. points wins this one. Jayser eclipsed that mark. Rancho did not. But this one was never that close, uh, except for the first possession of the game when Rancho picked uh, Jayser pass for 25 yards, you know, picked for a pick six and jumped out 6-0. And that lead was short-lived because then the next series, Jayser answered right back with Xander saying he actually looked pretty good going this series. He went 4-4, leading him down the field. Uh, and then Jamar Cabrera, Actually ran it in for five yards, and they were up 7-6. You know, next possession, Rancho turned the ball over uh, as the punter snapped, bobbled the ball, couldn't get the kickoff. Jay Sutter gets the next play. George Perez punches it in for 12 yards out, 14-6 Jay Sarah. And then that's when the Lions defense kind of took took over and had their way with Rancho Cucamonga, yeah. limiting them to three first 
half first downs. So Rancher didn't get their first down until about the 6.50 mark in the second quarter. Um, you know, and then they Lions just frustrated Boise commit quarterback uh, T.J. Tiller, who was being pressured, and um, he was just off throwing his receivers. And then he eventually was re- replaced by a junior quarterback Chambers uh, to open the second half. And it, it 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 did appear that Tiller was injured in the first half. Um, he took a shot early on in the game, and he came out for a few plays. And then, you know, he played the rest of the half. But So I don't know if that was why they pulled him, but he was 7 of 20 for 116 yards with their only rushing score. Um, and then the third quarter went scoreless, and then the Lions decided to lean on its run game, kind of nickel and dime down the field. Cause interesting, because the Lions never had more than a run of nine yards after uh, Jeromar Gorbel's 33-yard run that opened the second half. So then they never had anything longer than that. You know, they were pretty much patient to stay with the run game. You know, they were three, four, three. Eventually, you know, Xander Zing got in for a quarterback sneak um, to make it 28-12 when the, uh, with 10 minutes left in the fourth. And then uh, next possession, uh, Kamal Gabriel again came out of corner blitz and he sacked the uh, ratchet quarterback, created a fumble. Jay Sarah recovered at the 11-yard line. Next play, uh, Xander hits uh, Elliot Chung for an 8-yard, 11-yard touchdown. Uh, make it 34-12. Rancho added a late score with 39 seconds to get it to the 18. But, um, you know, Jay Sarah finished with 142 yards rushing uh, from 25 carries from Perez and uh, Garbrell and three touchdowns. Singh was only, you know, he ended up being 7 of 15 Passing 72 yards, one touchdown, one, the one pick. Jay Sarah had three sacks, two by Kanoa Davis, who, who starts on offense, but he came in on pass rush downs, and uh, he got two sacks uh, in this one. So, Yep, good bounce back effort. And, uh, yes, Scotty called it with the uh, offensive production being important um, for Jay Sarah. So they also are on the bye this week, and before they open Trinity League at home, on that's uh, September 30th, that Friday night, at home against Modern Day. Um, Scotty, now before we get to the uh, Trinity vs. USA Showcase games, want to pop in real quick. Edison San Clemente, a couple of top 10 teams um, in Orange County, um, hooking up um, down at San Clemente. And it was Edison 21, uh, San Clemente 16. So there they are. Edison is now uh, 5-0. and And... Um, San Clemente is four and one, so that was a battle of uh, unbeaten's. But uh, Parker, you know, it was typical Edison, very balanced what they've showed this year. Um, Parker Awad was very um, efficient, completed sixty percent of his passes for about one hundred and sixty-three yards, two TDs. They got good uh, production from Carter Hogue, twenty-one carries, ninety-five yards, one uh, touchdown. They had they, and then on defense they pressured um, Rendon. Um, I think they had seven sacks um, or so. Uh, f- excuse me, five sacks. Um, but and we thought this game would be close. Um, San Clemente, speaking of pressure, also got uh, three sacks. Got a hundred seventy odd seventy yards rushing from Blake Allen. Um, no touchdown runs. Um, Red in, uh, ran in a couple uh, short runs, and uh, and you know Redden is doing okay as a junior. Um, you know. Uh, 
quarterback, 15 of 32. Not the greatest completion uh, percentage, but no turnovers. That's He's a steady game manager type guy um, and pretty good runner. But uh, came down to Edison, just a little bit more balanced and uh, had a big fourth quarter. This game was, San Clemente was up 9-7 at halftime. And then uh, two scores for Edison in the third quarter, got the separation, and then they held on. But what do you think about this game? This, you know, this Edison team, 5-0, and looks to be headed toward a showdown with uh, Los Alamitos in the uh, Sunset League, Scotty. Yeah, so the offenses usually get all the notoriety, but uh, when the defensive units come up big, as Edison did numerous times in this game, you have to give it up to them. You have to give it up to the Charger defense. You know, all of them. You know, the, you know, they were probably all the players of the game after they stopped. You know, San Clemente on three consecutive second half fourth down plays and and you know i think that turned the tire for edison you know because they were able to capitalize on those stops uh eventually taking that 21-9 lead heading into that fourth you know the trident defense they also played well too you know they limited parker to 163 yards you know two tds but you know parker was able to to uh make those huge throws that led to both second half tds which included a nice one-handed catch from mason york that set up that Charger um, score, you know, to to give them the lead with 33 seconds into the third. You know, and then San Clemente came right back, you know, with um, the quarterback ready and scored him on a four-yard run, five-yard run that was set up by a 66-yarder Blake Allen run. Um, and, you know, they, they got it down to 21-16 with 7.30, and that's how, you know, pretty much that would end. But... The last three minutes were nail biting for both teams and fans. You know, as you know, as Edison couldn't run the clock out, kind of giving SC, you know, San Clemente life. But San Clemente's inability kind of to roll the ball consistently down the field kind of hurt them. Then they kind of got a gift from the official as Jackson Irwin sacked Redden, who noticeably, you know, fumbled the ball, and Dominic Martinez scooped it up and had a would-be score, but the refs called him down. So, you know, San Clemente retained it. You know, they completed a long pass to keep the drive alive at midfield. San Clemente goes four and out, turns the ball over on downs with three seconds left, and then that's ended up being the game. But, you know, the Tritons had their opportunities, you know, but that Edison pass rush of Jackson, Irwin, and Giles bothered Redden. Um, you know, it hurry, had to hurry to get the ball. It made him, you know, it made him challenging for them to throw, and that's not really their strength. You know, they ended up being 15 of 32 for 132 yards passing. Um, you know, it took them out of their element of running the ball with Allen. He still got 172 yards in his two scores. Um, and then also the key play for, for San Clemente was Thomas Hardenoff. Uh, he took the opening kickoff down to the 10-yard line. Um but San Clemente had to settle for a field goal. So that was, you know, if you talk about those three huge stops for Edison was yeah. huge. And then the pressure on him all night ended up being the difference. So, um, but that one was a great, that was like, I mean, that, I mean, that atmosphere in that game and it, it was just kind of night. Nice. It was crazy. It was just what a, what a high school, you know, game should be. I mean, I know we, we, you know, I'm kind of going off the handle here for a little bit, but we're talk about how they want to take the SoFi game, you know, play the game at SoFi, the Bosco already. But this is, you know, when you see the elements of high school football in packed stadiums, that is what is great because it's loud and that venue is just, and, and that's what this kind of was. So. Yeah, that's that's great to hear, Scotty. Uh, great, good, healthy uh, high school football right there.
with a lot of energy. You mentioned Dominic Lopez. Yes, he had a game-high 13 tackles. Um, and, you know, Jay Giles, Jackson Irwin, those are a couple undersized DN guys, but they are speed guys that are trouble yes. for tackles. And um, they're they're kind of, you know, they'll, I remember I talked to Jackson uh, Irwin earlier in the year, and he's a uh, – I you almost wonder if he's going to play – I was asking, like, maybe you're playing outside linebacker or something like that. But he's he's getting bigger and he's having success at defensive end. He's going to stay there. But it's interesting um, how athletic those those two guys are. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that's they they kind of you know stood out because I'm like they're, you know that's why I'm intrigued. With, you know what we're going to see down the week with Lil Sound because they're going to have to get the same type of pressure and make Malika you know uncomfortable and have to throw you know on the run. And not let him just sit back there and, you know, but then again, you know, they're going to have to tighten up that, you know, those quick slants and everything from them. So that's going to be another challenge for them. But, you know, uh, like I said, I, you know, Edison's that, you know, you know, that scrappy group, but, um, you know, they just get after it. Yeah. You mentioned the low Sal game. So that game is coming up Thursday, October 13th at Huntington Beach High School. So basically Edison is also has a bye this week. And then they're going to open up a, a league against Huntington and then Newport back-to-back Fridays. And then they have that Thursday night game where uh, Edison could be 7-0 and taking on um, Los Alamitos. Um, so, we like we said, Los Alamitos 3-2 and uh, right now because they have a couple team losses to national teams. And the Griffins are also on their bye this week. And they open up with Newport and CDM back-to-back before they take on Edison. So there you go. Hey, Scotty, great review so far. Um, let's um, talk about the Trinity versus um, USA Showcase over the weekend. All right, so kicking off the uh, Trinity versus USA Showcase on Friday, that was, and this was, all these, both these games were at uh, St. John Bosco, but that was modern day, 42 to 14 over Milani. So the Monarch showed some interesting uh, new developments. Um, one was pretty significant was the return of touted and very talented junior quarterback, uh, uh, junior receiver Jack Ressler. So we've been talking about the emergence of this receiving core for modern day. Um, a lot of those guys have emerged, but they've been doing it all without Jack Ressler. But he was back and um, contributed and became part of the offense. Um, and then there was the blend uh, with the powerful running game. Jordan Davison, um, Nate Frazier continued just with very limited touches, putting up huge numbers, including Davidson, who's a, is a really a impressive sophomore, going over 200 yards with just 10 carries. Um, but I know you took this game in at St. Um, St. John Bosco, Scotty. So this was modern day, improving to 5-0. and They're done with the... Uh, they're they're non league uh, non league season now. Um, they're in the bye this week. What do you see from the Monarchs? Is they they welcome back a new receiver, continue to ground it and um, ground ground and pound well. And of course, the defense, you know, obviously delivered uh, once again. Yeah, so you know, you look at the score, but you know, I'd say the Monarchs kind of got off to a slow start. You know, they didn't score until their fourth possession of the game. And they actually trailed 7-0 to Milani. 
And, um, you know, and their fourth score didn't come on, you know, came on Nate Frazier's first carry of the, of the game. And he took a 53 yards for a score. But then from there, you know, modern day, they scored 42 unanswered points. You know, and I, I'd still say they were, <coughs> excuse me, they're still a challenging 42 points. You know, it was a, it was a night where the modern day passing game probably wasn't sharp. Um, but the Martin game, you know, of Jordan Davidson and Nate Frazier, you know, took over, you know, they combined, uh, for 333 yards, you know, and they averaged both of them combined average 22 yards per carry. Um, that also included runs of 95 yard touchdown run and a 48 touchdown run, both by Jordan Davidson. And then they also added a 50 yard screen um, pass from Jordan uh, from Frazier. Um, who took a spin, broke like several tackles, and then, you know, just, I mean, he showed his sprinter speed. Um, you know, they basically scored all the, the points pretty much of the night, except for uh, Elijah, you know, had two touchdown passes, but he was far from his usual self. I mean, he had decent numbers, and I say decent because they were probably a little bit lower because he's usually considered um, in the 70%. He was, you know, he right. was 184 yards. He was 17 of 29 um, and he usually, you know, he doesn't usually miss many open receivers. And, you know, there was a couple that he missed. Um, but, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, we, we mentioned Jack Ressler was back. He did. He caught all five passes in the first half for something like 40 yards. It was all just short um, stuff to him. He didn't get anything in the, in, in the open. Um, and then they just basically he scored the last touchdown to close the half out 21-7. Then the second half got underway. And um, you know, modern day ended up. You know, they picked off a fourth down pass at the five uh, Milani pass at the five yard line, and that's what set up Jordan Davidson's ninety five yard touchdown run as he kind of like sidestepped the defender, and then he was gone. And he outraced two oncoming defenders. And the big thing about him is that you don't really—he doesn't look like he's going fast, and he just seems to split the seam on everybody. Um, it's very deceptive, very deceiving. Um, and then Nate Frazier had that yeah, scored the fifty-one yard screen pass, um, and then they got the running clock. You know, Milali was was able to score on the last play of regulation to get it to forty-two fourteen. And I'd say Milani was tough. You know, they weren't big, but they never folded. Um, they had a sophomore quarterback. He was very tough, and he took a beating. He took shot after shot. You know, he was hurried. He never flinched. It was so much that Coach Rawlinson actually went and sought him out after the game. You know, shook his hand, gave him some props and some encouraging words um, because that you know Monarch defense you know harassed him all night long. And as they recorded six sacks, it's led by Nasir Wired, who had two. Um, he also had another batted ball, and he had tons of hurries. Aiden Breland added a sack. Zeus Venegas had a sack. Linebacker Abdul Sanders. And uh, Ramir Davis all added the sacks. Uh, secondary got three interceptions, uh, one from another freshman, uh, Boogie Williams, uh, Darius Dixon, and then uh, Xavier Brown. And then, um, and I, you know, I and here's a, one other interesting observation that I also thought is that Milani's corners did a solid job on uh, modern day's receivers because I think they challenged Harris, Jordan Onovo on the outside, Gavin Hunter, who was an, an Arizona commit, uh, he's about a 6'2". He was um, primarily Jordan the whole night. Uh, and then there was a 5'10", 170-pound Jordan Fatu, who didn't allow the big play at all. And if it was a catch, it was minimal gain. It was like, I don't think they on that kid, they didn't get anything over 10 yards. So that was kind of, you know, 
just an observation on 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 that aspect of the game. But um, you know, it was an exciting game if you were uh, if you liked running backs. So yeah, you know, and we've talked a lot about uh, on the show this year about the impact of Ajon Braun. Um, I'm sorry, Jordan Davison and. Um, and uh, Nate Frazier, but that's what I was going to ask. It was about, you know, we haven't seen Ajon Bryant too much uh, since early in the season. And, wow, I mean, uh, it shows you how important the arrival of uh, Nate Frazier has been. He's he's had an unbelievable year, and, and so has um, Davidson. But, I mean, what do you think about how modern day's ground attack is doing this all without, you know, Ajon Bryant, who I know can also be a very valuable receiver as well, but another, you know, awesome weapon to have. Yeah, that's what's what's going to be interesting when he's he's scheduled to come back. Um, I believe he's going to come back maybe like league or or right around or or a week after. But I know he's good to go from what I'm you know being told. So um, and then it's it's like where does he go now? Because the fact is is that he was probably the most explosive out of these three guys. But these two other guys have been just as explosive. And if you watch Nate's, you know Nate Nate's explosive and he's strong and he breaks tackles and just when you think he's going down he i mean it's it's if you ever got a chance to see his highlight film from from pious um that's the the nate we are seeing and we weren't sure if you you know like because because you look at the you know you look at playing other divisions and you then you play in the training league and you play in the bigger up you know and you don't know if they're gonna if it's if it's gonna if they're gonna have that same type of dynamics um and he sure has lived up to that billing so far i mean i'm passing league, you know it's hard to tell but some guys don't you know some guys show up in passing league and then and when the pads come on they disappear or vice versa some guys don't do well in passing league and when the pads come on they just they're all gangbusters and and that's how he is and he's become you know very um integral part in this offense because I think he you know he's been the big play guy even though Jordan's has has scored some you know this week but Jordan's kind of the pound rock pound the rock get the good right. tough yards you know he'll take that five yards and he'll get he'll get seven or eight out of it you there were times where I saw him and I'm like oh they got two or three and it's it's you know he's got six out of it but that's because of, of he runs the way he's he wiggles and glides in between because um, he's a true he is actually a true running back um, and um, but when Ajon if Ajon comes back yes like you said he could play in this slot they could do a bunch of different things They, I mean there was they actually there was some formations where they were both on the field where uh, you know one somebody goes in motion you know and it just then it gives you you know other options use them as you know you're going to throw to him or you're going to fake to him or you're going to throw to somebody else so they can, you know, easily, there are ways to do the, to get them all, you know, together and then just see where, where Ajon, but like I said, I mean, there are plays where we see, you know, they get six, Ajon gets 15 or 20, you know, just because of how quick and he is. It's just a matter of, you know, just, you know, stay healthy, you know, if that's, you know, that's the case. Um, Cause I know, he, I know he's been itching at the bit to get back. So, yeah. Well, and sticking with uh, Nate Frazier, um, I had a feeling that he was going to be pretty special. I liked the the, the work he put in uh, in the springtime with track. He had a good track season, and he 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 joined Modern Day Track and in the springtime, and he was competing right away. Um, it seemed like to me as soon as he uh, had transferred. So I thought, wow, that's this is good. This is a good sign, and. 
he competed well in track. And then, you know, like you said, showing that track speed and some of his dynamic playmaking. Um, kid seems like a pretty hard worker. And, and I think you also mentioned that, you know, they gave him a Gruda Goods number as well. Um, so that, you know, obviously um, coaches are seeing, you know, that work ethic and uh, kind of that next level pushing it. So uh, that's going to be interesting once Modern Day uh, has all these guys um, available, see how they develop it. Um, hey, Scotty, speaking of uh, ground attacks and in good um, high school environments, I saw uh, some of this game on uh, on the broadcast, but there's a pretty good presence um, at, on Saturday at St. John Bosco as the Braves uh, played host to uh, previously undefeated uh, Kahuku. Um, they were 5-0, and and Braves came uh, came away with a 34-7 victory. But the uh, visitors from Hawaii traveled well with um, with their their uh, faithful. And uh, then you also got Bosco running the ball well once again, um, almost like uh, like what we were talking about with modern day, uh, you know, that, in, that powerful run attack. But what was your impression of this game on Saturday, Scotty? You know, by far this was Bosco's toughest game of the season. Um, you know, Kahuku's defense challenged Bosco for most of the game, even if it didn't seem like it but they didn't allow a bosco big score or a big play more than 17 yards um you know they bosco kind of used a control run game with cam jones chauncey sylvester and khalil warren they all rushed for over 200 yards four scores uh cam jones led the way with 89 yards on 12 carries sylvester added 88 total yards he had two receptions for 27 yards including um sylvester's first reception uh, on a fourth down that set up their first score um that was huge um and then on another fourth and one the braves got a 17 yard run from cam jones and then that next play bosco showed there's team speed when they ran a reverse with deandre moore who just i mean he just was shot out of like a rocket for you know 14 yards you know no one could touch him you know that was like 748 in the second quarter Clarkson added a four-yard touchdown pass to kingston um who lined up in the full house backfield and then went out uh, into the flat that was 21-0 at the half and then Bosco opened up its you know second half with the Norin another time-consuming drive capped off by a three-yard run by Cam Jones um, and then after that score Caleb Sanchez took over for Pierce Clarkson um, who right. finished uh, 15 and 10 of 15 for 90 yards one touchdown one intercept and 49 yards rushing um, and you know he, he went out early but Sanchez stayed and played with the next two series with the first team Braves, and uh, he he went and led down uh, the last um, scoring drive with the Sylvester one yard run to make it thirty four zero. Bosco missed the extra point, so missed out on getting the running clock. So, um, but then Bosco still continued to show its stingy ways. They held the Kahuku to thirty eight yards rushing and two hundred fifteen yards passing, um, but they did allow a passing touchdown late in the fourth quarter against like the mixed unit. Yeah. But the secondary guys were pretty much their starters. But you know, you know, pretty much you know, like Milani, Kahani, you know, Kahuku fought. You know, they challenged, even though, like I said, didn't reflect in the score. I mean, this will probably be Bosco's toughest game until they see Modern Day. You know, because next week they take on a one and three Modesto Central Catholic, who's lost their last three games since opening the season um, with the forty-one nineteen win over a Merced team. And their most recent loss was a 42-30 to against Sarah, who was 
played the same Sarah who played um, San Mateo, who played Modern Day last year in the state championship, and um, and who they're they're three and zero, and then they also have uh, wins over Folsom and De La, uh, De La Salle. That Sarah uh, Mateo does, um, and then um, you know, like we said, Moscow has served right before him Modern Day, and and then um, that's what the schedule looks like. Yeah, so it's it's been a you know speaking of schedule, it's for the Braves, it's been a solid schedule. Maybe doesn't have the big test out there like a Centennial or a Bishop Gorman, um, a national like ranked type team, but Allen, Bishop Amont, Central Catholic, Kahuka, they're now they're all they all have one loss, all all to the Braves. Um, Allen's three and one, Bishop Amont's uh, three and one, so is Central. And Kuku now is five and one. They're not going to get a test uh, this week, and then there's no buy for the Braves. After you know they'll they'll they should really roll past Central Catholic big time, and then they're going to be opening Trinity League at Cerritos College on that September thirtieth Friday night against Servite, and um, we'll see how you know where what where the Friars are at. But that should be you know that's you know potentially. The Braves could easily be six and zero, right, going into um, the modern day game, and modern day will be six and zero. That being on October seventh at the Santa Ana Bowl, and that's I think you know everybody's just kind of waiting and seeing. It's 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 kind of odd because of the way this the way this the the schedule kind of works out this year because both Bosco and modern day are both playing. Ho hum games, if you will, you know, you know, modern day's got uh, Jay Sarah, and you know, Bosco's got Servite. Rather than if it, let's say you if you throw an Olu or Santa Margarita in there, you know, right? But it didn't, it just didn't, you know, it didn't work out that way. And you know, this year, you know, Servite's, you know, it's not the Servite of last year. It'd be interesting if it was the Servite of last year or the usual Servite, you know. But that's just that's just the way uh, sometimes schedules fall in place. Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, for just speaking from the Braves, after they go to the bowl on that October seventh, then they're home. Their their last three games, um, they close out uh, three consecutive Fridays. Jay Sarah, then Lutheran or Orange Lutheran, and then Santa Margarita. So it'll be interesting um, how it all um, shakes out. It just shows you what a big game's coming up on October seventh. Um, that's gonna you know. That's the game of the regular season, like it's been for the last several years. Um, hey, Scotty, so we got a light week. We, like we said, only two training league teams playing this week. A lot of their teams are on the bye. Maybe, um, but there's a couple of games I want to talk to you just real briefly as we uh, kind of uh, wrap up our show here. But speaking of the Friars, they're coming off a bye week. Um, Coach Thomas, I checked in. He said the bye week for the Friars was outstanding. They've had two... Uh, you know they've had. You know basically they're going to have two good weeks of practice. He feels like his young squad continues to get better, but they're going to be tested down against um, Helix, which is the number five team in San Diego. And Coach Thomas said that they look a year older. You know last year Servite did defeat Helix, but you know that was Friars maybe getting a younger type Helix team. They got more experience, and, and Coach Thomas says it's going to be a great opportunity for their. For their young team to play another good, um, you know, another good uh, quality opponent, Helix actually had to rally last week against St. Augustine. Um, you know, they were down nine and a half, one forty-two twenty-nine. 
Um, so they're four and one, and this could be uh, this could be a pretty good game. When you know teams coming off a bye, we'll see how um, how much improved uh, Servite is. Um, but what do you think about this game, uh, Scotty Helix and Servite? You know, I, I, at first glance, when I looked at it, you know, and you just look at Helix being four and one, and you think, okay, Servite's, you know, you know, struggling. You know, and I and, and uh, you know, and I was just like, because I, you know, I looked at their offense, and you know, Servite's only have, they've only scored fifty four points in four games, and um, and and I think you know that and no passing touchdowns, so it's it's very. You know, it's it's perplexing to see. You know, unless they play another game to where similar to La Morado, to where it's you know they they can you know get a couple of touchdowns, twenty one, you know, keep it under twenty one or something like that. Um, you know, I, I, the only other game I can really you know if you really want because you look at the uh, Helix played also Central Catholic, uh, Cathedral Catholic, and they lost that one fourteen thirteen. But we've seen Cathedral Catholic also you know. They got beat pretty bad by Centennial, so you know it's like it, I think that it kind of shows you maybe where kind of maybe where Helix is at and as 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 uh, a strength level. So I think Servite has a shot. I you know has a hat. You know if they, if if you know if you take to what what Thomas what what you're going by what you said that they've had that good week of practice. They maybe you know, implemented some things, um, shored up some stuff. You know, who knows? They could be right in there. They could, you know, because we've seen, remember a couple of years ago, we saw Jay Sarah, we, everybody had them written off and they came, you know, were struggling and they, you know, threw out a defensive gem and I think either won or barely won, you know, you know, some of those games. So, I, I you know, I won't put it past the Troy Thomas team, but um, it's going to be very challenging. So, you know, we'll just have to follow this one and see what happens. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too, Scotty, um, kind of along your theory, Helix has got a 34.3 rating on Cal Preps. And uh, Rancho Cucamonga, who we talked a little bit about, um, the beat Servite um, earlier this year, 27-7. They have a rating of 39.5 now. So maybe it's uh, if Servite's improved since the uh, early in the season, coming off a good bye week, they could be in this game. It could be competitive. Um, it certainly would make a big difference for the Friars if they could get it, just even despite their youth. But they could be two and three as compared to one and four going into the Bosco um, opener um, next week at Cerritos College. Then the uh, the Friars are going to take on Orange Lutheran, Santa Margarita back to back before they get Jay Sarah. They got to close with Modern Day. So. Um, some of those bigger games, I think, you know, the Lutheran, Santa Margarita, J. Sarah are going to be a bit more important for Servite than their uh, rivalry games in terms of, you know, possibly, you know, qualifying for the playoffs and things like that. Um, so probably the order is not too bad, um, I would say, for for the Friars. Hey, one other game, Scott, I, I want to see if you had any, um, uh, you know, take on, but I think it's a pretty good, interesting or- uh, Orange County game. El Medina, San Juan Hills. So El Medina is out to a you know a very fast start, um, playing really good football. They just clobbered uh, La Habra, that's really you know struggling this year. Um, but El Medina four and zero taking on San Juan Hills. They're zero and five, and um, El Medina has got this uh, sophomore quarterback Xavier um, Guest. 
who's a dazzling runner, doesn't throw a lot, but he's pretty accurate, has nine touchdown passes, thrown for about 375 yards, but he's also rushed for five touchdowns. And El Medina is definitely a, a run team. They like to be physical. They got Owen Smith's a good running back. He's run for over 300 yards this season. Mason Hitchens, they bring over from defense. He's like a linebacker type. He's run for 230 yards. And that's what they, they really like to do. And then you got San Juan Hills. That's, you know, they're not in the South Coast League this year. They're in the CVU League. They got some high profile type guys like Butter Tolfelson. Um, you know, obviously they have one of the better um, sophomore um, linebackers. Um, so, but they, you know, they play a very tough schedule. They played some people close. Um, they seem content that they're just going to play the toughest teams they can just about. And they'll take the results and try to make their way into the playoffs via league. Um, it didn't happen last year. And we'll see if it happens this year. Even though the, the CV League, it seems it's, it's kind of a dicey thing, right, Scott? You you know, you don't get any wins in the preseason. You hope you get better. Um, I mean, playing good competition should make you better. But then, if, you know, at some point you do have to win, win games. And it was tough for San Juan Hills last year in the South Coast League. But can they do it in the CV League? Because, you know... Tribuco's not bad, and um, El Toro's not bad, and Aliso's improved. But El Toro and Tribuco don't look like they're going to be too easy um, of games for San Juan Hills, who, who could come into that thing winless. But does this game uh, strike you at all, uh, Scotty? You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting for that simple fact that, you know, you look at San Juan Hills um, because of what happened. It's almost like you said, they're taking to that. They're almost having that. It's a carbon copy of last year because they did the same thing happen. They were supposed to be all, you know, have this great offense receivers. And it just, you know, and before you knew it, they're winless. And they're in that same, you know, you have this quarterback who just recently um, they rated as like, I think the top sophomore quarterback, in the in you know at least in, the, in our area, and I think he was in the in the in the nation. I think he was like fortieth, you know. And I was like, what? You know, that's kind of mind boggling because of you know we saw him what he did against Santa Margarita, and then we saw you know we've seen them struggle, and so I just I don't know sometimes where, where these where these rating ratings and come from and and justifying what we've seen on the field. Um, I, I, I get it that maybe he's not, he doesn't have, you know, he's not in the right system or what he has around him, but, you know, he, he, he does have guys around, he does have, we've seen him, they do have players that can, they just haven't been able to put it together. But, um, and and then having to go into play in the CV League, because you would think, like you said, if there was the same CV League last year, it would have been a different story because, you know, now, you know, this year, Tubuco and El Toro are a lot better. So, and then you look at Elmo. I think if they get past Elmo, I think they might be well right. But if they have struggle with Elmo, then they, I think they are going to have a hard time in their in, in the league. It's going to be very challenging. Um, like you said, you named off, I you know those Elmo guys because I know when we did the 150, and you know I looked at them and those guys were ballers. I mean, they played you know for their size. Uh, you know, like you said, the quarterback, the running back, all of those guys. You know, I mean, Hitchens is a big, pretty big guy, but all those other guys are pretty small. Uh, they even have a nose guard that I like. Uh, his name is Sebastian. I think Chahu. I might butcher his name. Kahur, Chahur, but he's about five eleven and goes about two fifty five, and he's pretty solid. Um, he's very strong, um, but 
you know, Elmo's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if Elmo, you know, you know, takes this one, but, uh, hopefully it's, uh, you know, San Juan Hills can get up, um, a win on the column before they hit the league play, but. Yeah, El Medina also has Washington to commit tackle, um, That's right. Day, uh, jacket, um, who's, uh, physical uh, guy and, and athletic for his size for t- uh, as well. But, yeah, it's interesting, Scotty, for San Juan Hills because, like I said, they're 0-5. They drop this, they're 0-6, and then they hit the road to Tesoro, uh, a, a crossover game, um, to close out non-league. And then they get into the uh, the Seaview League and they open at um, – at they, and they play at El Toro, at Tribuco, back-to-back, so – It'll be interesting, um, Scotty. What what's going on with San Juan Hills and you know, Elmo's interesting too. Um, you know, for some OC football fans, you know they're in the North Hills League this year, which is looking pretty interesting, um, Scotty. Now, some of the competition is 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 isn't quite there yet. Like El Dorado is, I think, is pretty good. I've seen them in person. They're four and They play physical. They got running backs. They have a good lo- good line. And they they fly around pretty well on defense, but they haven't played anybody of note really at all. It's very hard to tell how good they are. Um, I thought they were going to show, you know, I thought the Fountain Valley game would be they'd get some kind of test and they rolled fifty to seven, but um, they're not playing any uh, very strong schedule. Uh, Canyon is putting up some huge numbers as well um, in the North Hills League. Um, they haven't really played anybody too strong. Um, Solid teams, but we're not talking about a lot of um, top twenty fives. But those games are coming um, for both of those teams, and then you got El Medina. That's a pretty good trio of teams that I don't know um, how you know. I think OC team, you know, OC football has got to respect these guys and, and and follow them and see how El Dorado Canyon and El, El Medina do this year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those, some of those guys, we, I saw, like I said, during you know during passing tournaments and uh some of them fared you know pretty well um i know you know the guy the kid over at canyon that's that's going for all those yards but it's just it's all it's it's you can take it with the grain of salt because it's like it's like yeah they did great you know in passing league you know then they you know then they're doing it on the field but it's like who have they played um you know because it you know i had a buddy of mine who who uh, who i you know who, who scouts just as as much as i do and he went and saw that play against esperanza and and, uh, you know, he said it was just really hard to gauge. I mean, it was like the kid, you know, could throw there, but it's like if you take him, you take take them and you put them in, in some better competition, you know, what do those numbers turn out to be? So I don't know. You know, and I, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of hard when you, when you don't get a gauge and, and, uh, that's what kind of makes that this part of the, you know, of our job, I guess, difficult. But it's fun nonetheless. So yeah, fun and challenging. Um, Lundsberg is the, the quarterback at Canyon. Yeah, he's got twenty three touchdowns yeah. already, um, and that's just in four, four games. And uh, Canyon this week plays um, Bray Elena. Well, Scotty, our next show and, and all our listeners, we're going to have a pretty special show next week. We're going to have our in depth preview of the Trinity League. Um, all six teams uh, will have an uh, in in depth breakdown strength weaknesses so be sure to come back as we start to narrow it in here on the trinity league um and we'll have previews of the first round of of the trinity and um we'll you know we're going to continue to talk a little bit oc football like we did with you know if there's a big san clemente mission game and they 
Los Al, you know, um, you know, Edison game and some other things that uh, strike us. But we are going to get a little bit more laser focus on the Trinity in-depth preview coming up next week. So, Scotty, I'm excited to get into that with you. Uh, how do you feeling about getting ready for our Trinity preview? No, man, I've already been working on it, Dan. So it's like I thought we were ready to go this week, and then I <laughs> forgot. I'm like, oh, it's next week. But, yeah, so I'll have all some good insights, some scoops, some, you know, uh, you know, lineups, uh, tidbits. So, yeah, for, for all of you guys who, uh, who, who like the details. So. Yes, sir. We, we got uh, – count me in, Scotty. So I'm ready for that talk next week as well and um, looking to bring um, – some stuff to match with you as well. So, well, look forward to it next week, Scotty. And for Scott Barajas, I'm Dan Albano. And thanks for joining us on the Trinity Orange County Football Podcast.